this will be episode number five. Episode number five. And my, like, this, okay. <laughs> I've wanted to, we've wanted to do this for so long, though, I think. Because I remember I hit you up. I think it was like last year. I was like, yes, I definitely need you on my podcast when it finally happens. And now you're here because I've been a fan of you for so long. I don't think you understand. I think I've been a fan of yours ever since I was like 18, 19. Oh, really? And I'm 26 now. The journey? <laughs> the journey. It's like all the time I've been making music, basically. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying because it's, it's been so long. And um, yeah, um, so without further ado, I'm here being Marie Dahlstrom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. <laughs> How are you though? I'm very good. So happy to be like semi out of lockdown, you know. Oh yeah, lockdown has been, you know, quite hard. They're easing it now. I think it's a bit easier on everyone. I think know. it's easier. Like I was in Denmark for like three weeks. And yeah. we were just like chilling and everyone is like just back to normal in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And then we got back here, me and my yeah. boyfriend, and it's like getting almost back to normal. And yeah. I was like, oh yes, you know, I can start my tennis lessons again. I can start Ooh. this and that. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. But um, like, I okay, there's so many things that I want to ask you. Like, there's, you know, obviously your journey and then, you know, you're from Denmark. Mm-hmm. And how has it been, like, the whole journey basically being UK-based um, in this country and, and also with, like, the R&B scene? I think you've, like, integrated into that scene very well. I think a lot of people know who you are, basically. A lot of people are fans of you. I know, it's like, that's what I'm starting to see on, like, you know, on Twitter and stuff, because I started using Twitter again yeah. recently. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, just to be a bit gassed, I just type my name in just to see <laughs> anyone, <laughs> like, say anything about me. And I just read all these, like, so sweet and amazing comments yeah. from people. Um, so I do feel like UK people really have my back, you know? No, they do. Because it's so nice. Yeah. I, and that, that's, I think, that's what I've started to realise, because there are quite a few people that have come from all over Europe to be based in the UK. And I know it's weird because I obviously you are Danish, but then I also see you as like a UK R&B, you know, artist. I think I've become that, to be honest, because yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a Danish R&B artist yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. I actually don't even really like resonate like that yeah. with the Danish music scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think because like I've done everything all of my original music in yeah. this country yeah. and like everything that I know of the mm-hmm. music industry is from the UK. Yeah. I almost feel like a little bit foreign when I'm in Denmark and like, yeah, you know, the I language and even yeah. the, the genres and stuff, yeah. they're very, they're more like, you know, they think they're making R&B, but I don't know what they're making over there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you come here and that's kind of, that was why I moved because I didn't yeah. feel like it was very authentic and I feel like there wasn't the right people to, mm-hmm. to work with and yeah. they were still very standoffish of yeah. the genre and of course. had many like, you know, I mean, oh, it's cheesy, it's mm-hmm. too smooth, all these comments. <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. So moving here has kind of been the perfect, I think, thing for me and my music, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so even with that, where did your influences stem from? Because, you know, as you said, over there, they're like, oh, it's too smooth, it's too, you know, sweet. So I had like a teacher in school, um, when I was like in, I think it's the equivalent to A-levels. I had like okay, a singing yeah. teacher just yeah. when I started that. And she introduced me to like loads of gospel and like, mm-hmm. you know, loads of like Kirk Franklin and okay, yeah. all these stuff, you know, Kim Burrell, all the big kind of gospel So people. like the, you know, voices. The voices, yeah. exactly. And um, all like before that, I was already well into my whole like, you mm-hmm. know, new soul, R&B discovery. Yeah. And 
I've already like kind of settled into that genre yeah. and listened to that at home and mm-hmm. it's kind of just just connected more to that style of singing yeah and I remember people were always like in Denmark like you don't have to riff the melody you can yeah. just sing it I'm like yeah but I like riffing you know <laughs> and um just like having having those kind of like differences depending on you know your musical culture yeah because I think more than anything what you listen to kind of defines everything that you that you are in music you know and what you relate to and how you relate to other people when they make music. Oh, yeah. So often, even though, you know, me and some other person in Denmark might have had, you know, very similar upbringing. Yeah. Then, you know, at some point in our life, I started listening more to this type of music mm-hmm. and they just continue down the, yeah. some other road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you can really feel, like, the gap, you know? Mm-hmm. Not to say you only have to listen to R&B, because I, mm-hmm. I don't only listen to R&B. Yeah, of course. But more to say that I think, you know, it really does shape, like, you know, your perception of music and the genres and yeah. what works and what doesn't work. And yeah. Yeah. Because, as I said, like, at the start of this, I remember the first time I ever listened to a song of yours. And I was watching Brothers With No Game. I think I told you this. Yeah. And, yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so dope. Like, I think around this time, a lot of what we were calling people, artists like you, basically, was, like, the neo-soul people. And this was, like, seven, you know, Mm -hmm. eight years ago. And I was like, this is so different to, you know, what I'm listening to in R&B at the moment. And I was listening to quite a few people, so like Sinead Harnett, Etta Bond, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And I wouldn't say that your music is similar to theirs, you know, at all. I don't think it is at uh, all. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, this is different. Like, this is, is this like a new scene that's emerging? And then there was just so many people that were popping off, like, a- around that time. And then... I started to like dive in and I was just like, you know, stalking your SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, she's so dope. And then it's, 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 and it's amazing because even now, like I still listen to you, you know, your album was recently released, which is an amazing view, I should say. And um, yeah, I'd, it's, it's very cool seeing, you know, the journey of, you know, you from there to you now. Yeah, it's, it's really been like a long journey, you know? Yeah. And I think that's also why I'm just keeping all that music online and like mm-hmm. just keeping all the like me singing really bad and like <laughs> Hoxton Square, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 2013 and stuff yeah. because it doesn't it doesn't even matter. Like it's it's fine that it's a journey. Yeah. I mean? And it's fine that you don't have to be this polished like mm-hmm. product when you step in. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm speaking to a lot of people about now. Like it's good that you that you have a journey and that you, you know, elevate every time and that you of get course. better and you go in and out of different zones and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then Throughout that, if I think, you know, if you just do it with, like, your own integrity, yeah. it will continue your own sound, but yeah. it will evolve within you, do you yeah. know what I mean? And this is what I've been trying to do. Like, I haven't even been too affected by anyone or anything. I've just been, like, in my little bubble. You know yeah, but I, mean? I, I think you've just been doing what you know best. You yeah. make what you want to make. And and that, and that those are the sort of artists that are my favourite. The ones that just do what the fuck they want, they don't care. They just want to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's what I've loved, like, watching, you know, your, your journey and, and seeing like you know the artist that you are now um again like the album amazing like how did that come about it was um it was basically like I I made my EP my Canil EP yeah yeah and I was like I, I think it's time now to make an album mm-hmm. I've made yeah. loads of EPs um so I just kind of said okay now I'm gonna work on my album mm-hmm. and that was the only thing I kind of defined and then yeah. after that I just started like making songs yeah but I'm not really that kind of person who would make like 200 songs and then the, the, I don't really yeah. do that I just make only really the songs I'm going to use and then there's maybe like 10 or 20% that I don't mm-hmm. use but most of the time I don't really make many like excess songs um, oh, okay, yeah. because I find it 
you know, I can almost feel in myself when, when there's something I know that I'm going to connect to. Mm-hmm. And if I don't finish the song, like, within the first three, four hours of making it, there's a really big chance, like, that song won't really go anywhere. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of learned my model, and that means that I don't write all the time, mm-hmm. but I write more, like, when I have, you know, something to say or mm-hmm. something that I feel, you know, something I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then sometimes in between I do sessions, but yeah. because I'm juggling so many things, it's also more, like, you know, concentrated when I then do music and then... Besides that, I'm also studying my PhD and I set oh, up yeah, the label said, yeah. and all these other things. So um, I want to move on to the second album soon. Oh, um, And yeah. actually, yeah, I just want to like, I feel like I have, I feel like I'm on such a good role. Yeah. And it's not to, to stress or anything. It's just more like, I feel like, you know, I'm at a stage in my life where I have a lot to say. I feel like my sound oh, is strong. Yeah. And actually today I'm announcing a song um, on my label. Oh, so that should be good at five o'clock. So we can just say a little bit about it now. Okay, yes, so I'd love that. I set up my label, JFH yeah. Records. Yeah. JFH is the estate that I live in. Changes, you know. <laughs> and um and basically I live with my boyfriend mm-hmm. and you know, my best friend and another yeah. friend. And we are just like always making music. Yeah. And throughout this whole journey, also like the guy who makes my designs, Melody, yeah. who also does the, her songs designs, he's lived yes. there too. Like everyone has lived in this freaking house. <laughs> so I ended up calling it JFH Records. Yeah. And um, my first release here after the album mm-hmm. is going to be Dan Diggers, a producer who produced a lot on my album. Oh, Dan, um, James Vickery talked about him. Yeah. Does he do keys? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so he's going to do his first like artist song. And mm-hmm. we kind of like, me, J1 and him mm-hmm. kind of merge. Oh, J1, amazing. He's amazing, yeah. isn't it? So me and Joanna are kind of going like back to back on this track. Mm-hmm. And it's called No Drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a drill song. But like with R&B. You see, this is what we were talking about the other day, is that a lot of, well, you're not per se a drill artist, but drill artists are now like dabbling into R&B productions. Yeah. And I think that's going to be dope. I think it's going to be dope. Yeah. And it's just so fun to try and like use like a different style of my singing in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to like sing and like arrange with Jay and, mm-hmm. you know, Jay's close friends of ours as well. Yeah. So it's just like really fun to make this track and, I just think it's like now people have seen me from this one one side, like my my comfort space and yeah. my album. And I thought like for the next couple of months, I'm just going to throw out things, you know, that I'm really proud of, but yeah. that, you know, wouldn't be the usual Marie Dalton kind of yeah. song. And I really want people to see me from that side too, just because I like it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I listen to all this kind of stuff. I'm not, just because I don't like... Do know, it doesn't mean that you don't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think I, it's going to be good because... Obviously, a lot of, as you said, a lot of people only know you for, like, not necessarily, like, one style, but, you know, Marie Dahlstrom's, you know. Sound. Sound. Yeah. And I think it's going to be so good seeing another side to you. Because I've always said, like, I, I always love artists that know how to experiment, especially doing things that, you know, they enjoy. So, as you said, like, you just don't listen to, you know, thing. You listen to many things. Exactly. And to, like, double in that and experiment. Yeah. And to showcase, you know, what? yeah, I can be, you know, diverse. I think that is just... I can't wait, basically. I can't wait for it. And Jay Warner as well. Like, he... Uh, I love him. Like, he's he's an amazing writer, amazing singer. He's just an all-round great artist. Yeah, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I just think, you know, I think it's going to be super fun. I think, yeah. I think it's very important, like you say, to experiment. And yeah. to feel, like feel that you don't have to be stuck in something just because course, yeah. people like you for one thing. Mm-hmm. Artistry mm-hmm. is artistry, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, go for it. Yeah. Also, her. Mm-hmm. How, like, how did that come about? Her songs? Yeah, her songs. Um, that was, um, it was basically me and Danny, um, the mm-hmm. Colombian girl, yeah. from her songs. We we were on the phone one day and we were like, we should try and set up something like this, mm-hmm. you know? And then within, like, 
a couple months, we just, you know, got Francesca involved, got Emily involved, got Maddie J involved. Mm-hmm. And it was just like one, two, three. We like sent out email, made like a pitch sheet. We got yeah. an apartment, lots of yeah. sponsors. Yeah. And we kind of just got the whole thing together. Yeah. And I think we just wanted to show that, you know, Women. all these kind of writers, blocks yeah. and perfectionism that people face in music. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to like say you can just make a song like every day in five mm-hmm. days and just see how it sounds. And yeah. most of the times, like it's not that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even as an exercise, just for writing or like kind of stripping back that perfectionism. Yeah. We just wanted to like showcase that kind of thing and you know release great music, but mm-hmm. also very like in a very narrow like time space, you know. Yeah. And then we wanted it to be all female or like non-binary queer, all that. Yeah. And kind of be just like inclusive and kind of continue that journey. And that's why we did the next one in Mm -hmm. um, Toronto, like last summer. Yes, my city. Yes. (laughs) I love that place. I I went there two years ago. It's so so great, yeah. So great. It's so lovely, yeah. Yeah. So I can understand, yeah. That would have been amazing to create in in that environment. It was super nice. We were in like a warehouse and Mm -hmm. we just had, it was really intense. It was like, you know, five women and Alda who was doing the filming. Yeah. Two weeks. We were like preparing for lockdown. We tried it already. Like <laughs> we were literally in there just like every day, you know, yeah. no breaks. It was like 35 degrees outside. We were in this air conditioned room for days. And we also had like a live show at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. So it was just like super intense. <laughs> but I think it was really, really good. And, yeah. you know, the second EP is coming out now, basically. It's just coming out. So. Okay. So it's been it's just been super nice, and I'm yeah. hoping to just continue that, you know. Mm-hmm. Also, do you know there was one thing that really not shocked me, but I was like, "Whoa, I didn't know that you produced." No. Yeah, I didn't know because I because yeah. I'm the sort of person when I go like on um, Spotify and you know they've kind of showed us, oh, you can see like the songwriting credits and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, there was a song that you had produced before, and I was like, "Oh my god, Marie Dalsh produces," and I was like, "God." Do you know what I mean? But that's like I've always like wanted more female producers because I don't think we have many or many that are out there like that compared to like the male producers as well. Yeah, so, we definitely don't have yeah. enough. Yeah, and I think people produce like in many different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. As well, um, and I, I just think for me, I don't produce all the time, so yeah. it would, I would more like commit to a couple of songs and yeah. then I would really go all in. Yeah. Um and I think like someone like Emily, she's a way more like kind yeah. of the settled producer. Yeah. I'm more like the kind of person that like, I want to make these songs and then mm-hmm. I make them, do you know what I mean? Oh. Um but I I like I actually I love producing. I think it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. I think I've been I think I need to switch programs. Like yeah. I think I've been doing, you know, vocal production just in, okay. in logic. Yeah. But then my beat production in logic, I just think it sucks. So I need to, <laughs> I need to just change program, and then yeah. I think it'll be a lot smoother, like for my process. I used, I used to produce when I was younger, but I stopped. Why did you stop? I don't know. I think I was just like, I think <laughs> this is so lame, but I kind of got like, you know, I went for a breakup, and then I had like no creative energy at all, and then mm. I was just like, oh, do you know, I can't bother gonna you know, continue. But then I wanted to start up again as well because I just love like one one of my favorite things is always listening to like the sounds of you know the production that's like always my favorite thing I always comment on that and that was something that I always wanted to kind of I wanted it to be concrete mm-hmm. like I wanted if, if I'm going to go into something it needs to be 100% you know mm-hmm. I don't want to do it half at it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so you, you go know. back and do it it's good I think if you work in the music industry and like if you're going to you know do music managing and all that yeah it's so nice when mm-hmm. when someone have that kind of information and mm-hmm. background knowledge about yeah. you know, the musical parts you mm-hmm. know so yeah but that's always been you know something that i've loved 
you know, as I said, whenever I'm looking at songs on Spotify or, you know, the credits, I always want to look at producers. Mm-hmm. That's always something that I've tried. And it's weird because I always try to kind of, it's a weird thing, but I always try to listen by ear, like mm-hmm. to try and see, okay, try and hear like who is this producer. And that's always been something that, you know, I've done for as long as I can remember that. Mm. That's, you know. So you can recognise someone's yeah. from the sounds. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, um, Labyrinth, he has like a very distinctive sound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's just an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. was really good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, like what I want to touch on, I think I've talked about R&B. I talk about R&B too much. I think it's my down. <laughs> but um, where, like, where do you see it going? Because I've talked, I'd, I'd, I was speaking um, about this with James on other podcast, and we had like a lengthy discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, where would you like it to go? Where do you see the scene going? In the UK? In the UK, or, or even worldwide. Um, I think... I actually think like R&B is in a pretty good place. I don't mm-hmm. think it's in a terrible place. No, no. I think too. a lot of people are like R&B, but I don't think it's dead. I think it's going good, you know? I think sometimes I... I think sometimes, if I should say any kind of like constructive criticism, or maybe not constructive, I would say that it's just... Some of the artists sound very alike, you know? Sometimes it's like you yeah, hear one kind of standardy trap beat with like some very standardy nice R&B melody on, you know? And then just like a different voice. Mm-hmm. But you cannot really, like, distinguish who it really is. It could just yeah. be, like, anyone. You know what I mean? Of course. And I think sometimes that I don't resonate so much with, you know? Yeah. Because I think with the way that the music industry is set up, it's kind of narrowing and pressuring everyone to, to be, like... To do the same. To do the same yeah. thing, which is so boring. Yeah. Like, I don't want to listen to the same song, like, on yeah. different variations yeah. 50 times when I put on Spotify, you know? Yeah. But because it's such a, like, narrow field, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, like subconsciously tuning us all into to feel and think that that's the right thing Mm -hmm. so whenever we you know work in sessions or work with people Mm -hmm. we have that like inner reference you know which i don't think is healthy yeah i think it should be a lot broader yeah i think we should more instead push for like people to really keep their individuality and and not be like boxed so much yeah because i think what i don't well i might be contradicting myself because i always said the one thing that I feel like R&B needs to get to maybe a mainstream level is that one song. Mm-hmm. But if you want that one song, you're going to have to tweak R&B, you know, slightly. Yeah. It may need to overlap into other genres. It, it might need to be mixed with something. But, you know, I always said, I don't like it when, like popular music, you're always going to have that one sound that people resonate with. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying, there's like always that, you know, how to put into words like everything that everyone's doing and, and they just jump on it and like, okay, this mm-hmm. is the sound that a lot of people are liking in R&B. As you said, it can be quite boring. And this is, the, the thing that I'm trying to say is how can you escape that? How can you not fall into that? Okay, because everyone is doing this, I must do it. I think it's like, uh, I think there's different kind of aspects because I've been, I've been in many situations like that where people mm-hmm. have tried to like box me into that. Yeah. And I think personally, it's about being very like strong in your mm-hmm. own thing. Be like, I don't, I don't need to do that mm-hmm. just because that might do better right yeah. now. That doesn't mean I need to do this yeah. to fit some criteria yeah. and kind of stick more to your own gut. And yeah. you, know, you don't, you know, it's so easy in this game to be like to be almost a little bit like half manipulated into to thinking course, what you're doing yeah. is not good yeah. enough or it's not you know going to do well enough. Yeah. That's why you shouldn't do it and all these things. Yeah. 
but it only takes like you know like you say one song that you're doing but people are gonna be like no actually it was really good like yeah. it's so different i really liked it you know and then yeah. people's like yeah you know, opinions are completely different yeah so i think it's very important to be more like i think people need to stand their ground a lot more yeah and also you know i sometimes i really have a problem with some like a and r's and like some sorry no offense to A&R <laughs> but I do have a little bit of a problem with yeah. like a lot of these people who do not make music but who comes with all these wise opinions about like people who make music it's like are you making my music or am I making my music but, but that's the I'm thing I'm making my songs yeah you know? but you make you know what you want to do and you know what your fans like mm. so I you know I've I, I don't know the ins and outs of major labels or even you know big independent labels you mm. know I'm, I'm not in the scene like that but the only you know, the only word that I can take is from the artists and what they've experienced. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, you know, you can't, I feel like there's some A&Rs that just don't know what to do with R&B. And I've, and I've said this before, they, they feel, okay, if you do this kind of sound, it's, it's going to be better for you. And I don't always think that's, you know, the right thing. And it's, it's like, yeah, again, I think I'm touching from points from James's pod. But, you know, there's so many... R&B artists right now, before they were doing like pop music and um, electronic music mm. and dance music, because, you know, R&B vocals do some, you know, very good on like dance and house mm-hmm. um, house beats. But they were like, no, you know what, I, I want to do R&B. So like a main example that we talked about was Eliza, Eliza Doolittle. Mm-hmm. And you can see like from what she was doing before, yeah, yeah, like a lot of people different. know her as, you know, that, but if you if you have someone that listened to her before and they don't know and they've not um you know kept up with what she's doing now they'd be like oh my god she's completely changed her sound and i think that's what you know a lot of r&b artists right now when they've been forced to do something they didn't want to do before you're going to be shocked and be like well like their sound has completely changed but I, you know what i think i think it's like why do you need to even be forced at all in the first place you know I think it's like, you know, it's with everything. If someone starts cooking for you every night, at some point you're not going to really be that interested in cooking anymore. You're just going to expect a plate with food of and you're going to be really yeah. loving that, you know? Yeah. When you have an A&R and a manager and a team and a social media as a team and a stylist and everything, everything who's yeah. thinking every single thought for you with regards to your music, all of a sudden you're just going to be more like, yeah, no, I definitely take everything on board that people are saying. Instead you of being like, yourself. no, I don't want yeah. this actually because that doesn't feel like me, yeah. you know? And I think the more you do that unconsciously, you dissociate with who you are and it becomes more of a product than a part of you. Do you know yeah, what I mean? that's true. And I think, you know, the for me personally, I would say that I think the art is to not buy too much into all of that and not be so like, you know, everyone is like excited, you know, about the career, where can it go? And all these people think I'm great. And, you know, you kind of want to cater to mm-hmm. everyone's pers- like, you know, perceptions of you and, and like ideas about your sound. But when it comes down to it, only you know inside yourself what feels right for you, yeah. you know? And that doesn't mean that you should take nothing on board or mm-hmm. you should be completely close-minded. Yeah. But I think it does mean that you need to have, like, you know, a backbone and be like, no, actually, no. Yeah, I because, don't think a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's something... You, as, as an R&B artist, like, let's, let's say an R&B artist that has, like, an amazing voice, mm. you know, it's very easy to turn that into, like pop if you will so like a sam smith on it mm. and i think that's what labels see they're like if they if they see someone that has an amazing vocal amazing vocals they're like okay we can package you into what the mainstream people love that's what we want you to be and it can take it, it can take a lot of like 
you know, as you said, you need a backbone. You need a backbone to say, no, like, I don't, that's not what I want to be. I know my vision. And I think a lot of people, like, they see the money and they're like, do you know what? If it's going to get me money, then. And you know what? That's also just fair. Like, I would never Mm -hmm. judge anyone for that. Yeah. I just think you can hear when someone has dissociated from their music, you know, Mm -hmm. and the people who are like in their music and feeling and breathing the music, you know? Um, I don't think I just think there's a strong kind of like, you know, like barrier between those two types of artists. Yeah. And um and I think people who would prefer to go for the money, I don't blame them. It's really hard. Like of I was course, talking about, nice, you know, yeah. like Spotify, they pay zero point oh, yeah, zero zero two pins yeah. per song. That's nuts. Like what? It's bad. And That's the thing bad. is I'm a f i am like I, I love Spotify as like a platform, but you know, what they give to their artists and what they pay their artists. Is bad. Like, like Spotify Plus has growth yeah. and like and their own thing before the artist kind of looking after you know. Mm. And I think it's, I don't think it's like who who was ever come up with that idea zero point zero. Yeah, because you're even two. saying like who who like what goes in the mind of someone to say do you know what this is you're not even going to be paid like a penny. And even play. if you break it down for like independent artists, it costs about what between five and maybe seven eight thousand pounds to make an album with all that it entails right to shoot a music video to yeah, pay for PR everything yeah. PR is like two thousand pounds because you know? you're doing it all by yourself and then you have to put it on your streaming platform so yeah. then if you make one million streams for example that's a like that's like four four grand or something then you mm. have to also like filter that out to your management and you have to pay your oh, yeah, cuts yeah. and so forth and then for yourself it's yeah. like not that much so you end up being like you end up like not really unless you're a very successful artist you know many many smaller artists they never actually make any money off what they're doing yeah and i think then people could be like oh but you chose it why do you want to do something where you don't work like but why are we in an industry that doesn't yeah. pay us like that's crazy yeah because yeah. i i that's that's a fair point because you you don't really think about it like a lot of people who don't really you know don't really know how the industry works they wouldn't know that okay you have to pay off this person you have to pay you know maybe videographers for you know the music videos and stuff and then what you're what you have to take home is very little mixing and mastering is like two thousand pounds as well jesus it's crazy expensive you want to have a good engineer Mastering for a track is like forty five hundred plus back. You know? Do you think that's why a lot of people are now learning to do these things by themselves? Of course, because yeah. who has this type of money? That's like yeah. that's like four months of rent right there. Do you know what I mean? See you later. Like it's so much. It's it's actually very very expensive. So mm-hmm. I think you know I would rather congratulate all these artists who like stand up and do this every day and yeah. sacrifice so much because at the end of the day, it's it's. Yeah, it's a lot to sacrifice when you're trying to also build a life, you know? Yeah. And it's a constant battle between, like, oh, I want to save, I want to yeah. get a house, I want to do all these yeah. things. But I also want to, like, really build my art, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think, I think you know, even if they just paid, what, maybe, like, half a yeah. pence or something, yeah, it would be way better, you yeah. know? Because also, um, I think that's why a lot of artists also tour. Because I, I it, it was so crazy, 2019... There were so many UK artists touring. Mm. So many. And it never used to be like that, you know. It was very hard to see my favourite artists within the UK. Very mm. hard sometimes because, you know, they'd either prioritise making their EPs or making their songs or, you know, being in the studio rather than touring. And now it's like, wow. You know, you, in I think in the past couple years, I think I've seen my favourite artists at least three times, which yeah, exactly. before when I was like 18, 19... 
mainly the artists that I've loved since then, they'd be support acts rather mm. than, you know, having their own, you know, headline, yeah. headline show. And as well, because yours is in March, no? Yeah. Is it just that one day or are you trying to expand that? Yeah, we were actually yeah. trying to expand it, but then there was the whole COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. we are like a little bit reluctant. But yeah. I, have, I have two shows in Denmark in mm-hmm. December, yeah. if they're happening. Yeah. Um, and then the one in March. And it was, it was such a bad timing because mm-hmm. I really hoped I could, do you know what I mean, do a couple shows. Like, yeah. you, know, after, you know, after the album came out and stuff. But yeah. it's just what it is sometimes. And I think... Yeah. You know, for everyone's safety and for this virus to go away, like I had corona, I think it sucked. I don't wish for anyone to have it. I had it as well, but I didn't. The thing is, I think I had a mild version. Yeah. Because I was I was so weak for like five days and I couldn't smell or taste afterwards. So my dad was like, "Yeah, you had corona because that's a main symptom." Mm. And it wasn't. I don't know because you know I I felt okay, but it was still like hard. But then a lot of people like that had, you know, corona proper corona because I don't think I you know proper corona <laughs> yeah it's actually interesting because the the girl that I live with she yeah. had the same symptoms as you yeah um but when she had her antibodies test she mm-hmm. tested negative so oh. she actually never built up enough immunity to yeah. like you know to handle that virus so maybe yeah. it was very mild or yeah. it wasn't there at all you know yeah because I did feel weak for like a couple um couple days but then when it was when I started to get better, that's when I lost my sense of sense of taste. Yeah, that was kind of how her was too. Yeah. But me and my boyfriend, we also mm-hmm. tested um, antibodies, and we were both positive. Wow. And so we had like a stronger. I I had was like down with fever for like four days. Oh yeah. And I think I had like symptoms after that for maybe like six weeks. I had like kind of arthritis symptoms so you, in my you knees. Must have been, yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. So I think you know not maybe not gigging right now is really sad, mm-hmm. and I think if they could compensators in some other way with like some financial compensation you know it would be a small price to pay but because no one is getting paid it's, it's really it's like hard. taking a toll on people you know of course because I think a lot of artists like that's what they depend on is yeah. touring and you know and um, I think I was speaking to my friend Jordan McCamper he was saying that a lot of artists um they as as we've been speaking about streaming and you know it, it doesn't you know cover that many expenses that that's yeah. just like maybe a quarter or even a fifth of of what um you know that they, they they have exactly and if you're a smaller artist for example and you really want to give your listeners like a really great show mm-hmm. for example they take me in and they say i would then have to pay my band too you know so oh, if i book yeah. a small venue and it's say 300 people yeah then after that then i only maybe get paid 400 pounds from the venue or 500 pounds that's not even enough to cover the cost of the band so you're consistently like at a loss if you're a smaller artist and you know I'm not saying this to complain because you know it's my decision I could just not do a show but it's more to say like where is that balance or where is that protection of like smaller artists you yeah. know? and and the, the game and I know every everything is hard I'm not saying music is like way harder Easy, than any yeah. other jobs but I think it would be good to kind of maybe have these discussion more openly like for example with the with the Spotify payments and, and Apple Music like what what is actually reasonable you know and yeah because it, it is hard I think what we know is you know obviously bigger companies will always profit you know and that's just you know that's just business at the end of the day but I, I still feel that there needs to be some form of ne- negotiation because as you said like smaller artists there's really no protection like how can you live on you know what is it 0.02 Jesus Christ that is just is and 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 for me like 
I'm not even going to lie. I used to think, oh, well, but, you know, I'm listening, so, and I'm paying for my, you know, um, I'm paying for my subscription, so, you know, that must mean that they're getting a lot of money because you think about how many subscriptions there are in the world for Spotify. I think there's, like, millions upon millions. But, you you know, when you break down the facts, it's, it's shocking. You know, you're speaking about it right now, and I'm I'm seeing, like, you know, the depth of it all. And the funny thing is, I actually think a lot of artists might be cautious to speak out of it, like about it because they're supported by Spotify. Yeah. You know? Like, if someone from Spotify hear this and I'm being like, you know, I think this is unfair, yeah. then, you know, you, you're almost afraid of saying what you truly think because then, oh, no, are they not going to support me on the next playlist? And that, that's not the way it should be, you know? Mm-hmm. It should be like, you should be able to voice your opinion and still be like... Because it's your livelihood. Exactly. And I don't know, I just think, you know, if, if everyone kind of... If all like UK artists, for example, even within just R and B, stood up and was like, "No, we're not doing anything," but like we really demand like a pay rise or that there was a petition or anything like that, yeah. you know, maybe it could come to something. Mm-hmm. And the smallest change would make like a huge difference, of you know. Mm-hmm. So and it's not even like I'm saying pay me one pound per stream. <laughs> yeah. It could just be you know a small change yeah. that would really make a lot of at least life. half, at yeah. least half a penny. Exactly. Yeah. All the hours and all the like work yeah. that actually goes into crafting something you know yeah because i remember before before streaming you'd act was would you actually get paid like itunes basically you yeah you'd be paid per download like, yeah because i think even just me putting my my music on Bandcamp. yeah i was gonna say know, that i've been paid loads from that i've probably yeah. been paid more than streaming yeah because just... Bandcamp is like you know is is it like you donate what you want to donate it's like you can set a minimum. So mm-hmm. I said, for example, for the whole album, I said nine or ten pounds of it. Mm-hmm. And then people just buy one off and then download all the files, you know. And then, you know, people can do that and then they can listen as well. And I guess, you know, with merch and different things, like there are opportunities. Yeah. It's definitely not about complaining. It's more just about like shining a light on yeah. what could be tweaked. So like, because mm-hmm. there's so many artists that are like not, you know, Kehlani level. You know what I mean? There's so many, like there's so many people who might be impacted by this like particular yeah. situation on this year you know yeah yeah chicken time <laughs> chicken time yeah because i think yeah um but that's all the time we have for today unfortunately because it is for and i can hear someone knocking on the door mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah but um socials before we go socials socials at marie yeah d Music, music. Right? That's Insta. Is that no? Is no, it that's in- Twitter. That's Twitter. And music and Instagram is Marie. Dosh- yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the other ones are like I don't even remember. I think my SoundCloud is also Marie D Music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think and so. my my YouTube is Marie as well. I think. Okay. So, um, so. <laughs> that was very amateur. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but um thank you again guys for listening. Um the new episode dates will be every Thursday. Um so yeah, this will be out um on I think first week of September. Amazing. Yes, so first week of September on the Thursday. So yeah, um in a bit guys. In a bit, bye. <laughs> thank you for coming on. <laughs>